Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. podcast and I'm really excited today to be talking to Marin Souders who describes herself as a multimodal adventurer. I asked her how she wanted to be described and that's what she said and she's just finishing up a year of travel all around the U.S. and my understanding is um, Marin that you've been traveling using a lot of different forms of transportation. So tell me about that. So I'm, I've actually never owned a car for environmental reasons. I do have a driver's license and I drive occasionally, but I've never owned a car. I've always gotten around by bike or transit and lived in Portland, Oregon for the last 30 years. So it was easy to get around that way there. And so this journey, I was originally planning to do it mostly by bike and then just supplement with a little bit of train travel because I love train travel as well. But as I got underway, I kind of discovered that I was using trains more than I had thought. So it's ended up being uh, a lot of Amtrak between cities and Via Rail, a little bit in Canada, but bicycling within the cities once I get there. And sometimes I've been bicycling between cities, like I bicycled over the uh, mountain between San Jose and Santa Cruz. That was a little challenging for me. I bicycled all the way from Burlington, Vermont, up to Montreal, crossed the border on, on my bike, which was really cool. I've done some intercity buses. I've done a few carpools with friends. So it's been very, very multimodal, depending on where I need to get and a variety of factors. Well, it sounds exciting that you're also doing this with a Brompton, right? That's what I was just going to say. Yes, is that's what has allowed it to be so multimodal as I've got this Brompton folding bike and it folds so small and I have a trailer that I pull behind me which is 72 pounds, so it's a little it's a little hefty and the bike itself is 40 pounds, but it enables me this whole rig enables me to just fold everything up and put it in, you know, I've put it in uh, some really small cars like a Fiat or a Nissan Leaf with other people's luggage. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it goes on trains, it goes on buses, and then I can just pedal power it if I need to. So, yeah. I was reading one of your blog posts about that. And uh, the part that really struck me was how you were folding up the bike and then trying to adjust your trailer to so that you could actually carry it on. I think it was a train because uh, it was quite heavy. And I was thinking, oh, wow, that sounds challenging. <laughs> That has been one of the most challenging things about this. And I don't want to jinx anything by saying that it's, uh, I've never failed, but so far in this year, I've always managed to get it on whatever means of conveyance that I want to get it on. Trains, buses, cars. There's often a little bit of a verbal kerfuffle <laughs> with some Amtrak or Via Rail staff ahead of time where they think, uh, this is not quite um, according to specs, and maybe I shouldn't be taking such a large item onto the train, but I've always found a way to get it on. It always seems to work, and um, but it can be a little challenging to carry it up those steps. You said there's been a few kerfuffles uh, with assorted people, and, and I can kind of empathize with that. I've done a few um, bike trips myself, and I, I must say I always have that anxiety of, 
oh, is there going to be a problem with getting it on the train? Or are they going to accept it? Or is it going to be full? And has that been an issue for you? Like, do you feel that anxiety or are you have you moved beyond that? Some of both. I mean, each time I kind of take a few deep breaths and I'm like, I don't know if somebody's going to say anything, if they're going to have a problem. I've noticed a very strange sort of inverse relationship where the more pushback I get from the station staff, the easier it tends to be to actually get it on the train. They'll say something like, oh, this train is full. You'll never be able to get that on there. I guess we'll see what the conductor says. And then I get on the train, there's plenty of space and it's no problem. But then on the other hand, I sometimes I go to a station and I'll see like three station staff and I'll be just bracing myself for them to come up and tell me that I'm not going to be able to take it on. And nobody says anything and everybody's fine. Sometimes I even go talk to them proactively and they act like there's no problem. And then when it's time to board, I'm like, whoa, there's hardly any space on here. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But somehow, somehow so far, it's always managed to work. There's a magic in it. The magic in it, that was something that I noticed a term you used in your blog to describe a lot of your trip. Yes, and it has really, I was kind of leaning into magic with the whole journey, uh, and I knew I'd be leaning into magic a lot, but boy, it has really just become more and more of a theme in terms of the people I've been connecting with and just how I go about things on a daily basis rather than letting myself be, you know, get too caught up in anxiety. I just kind of trust the magic that something's going to work out and it does. And sometimes things turn out better than you think. And it feels very magical. So when you say leaning into magic, tell me what that means to you. How can I lean into magic? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess when things feel like difficult or challenging or like you don't know how you're going to get through it, like the way this whole thing started was I had a really, really rough 2020, and I know that most people had a pretty rough 2020, but I kind of think mine was a little worse than average because it started on January 7th for me with a flood in my condo that uh, a radiator pipe burst and flooded the place and displaced me for three months. I had to live somewhere else for three months, and I don't like moving. I mean, I I had bought that condo 15 years ago thinking that I would never move again. That was just going to be, you know, for the rest of my life. And so to be displaced for three months was pretty disconcerting and everything had to get redone. And then while I was in the new place, the pandemic started. And then that got me really feeling very anxious about my health and my mortality. And I started wondering if I was going to die from this virus. Then I started thinking about a couple other health issues and started to wonder just how much time I had left on this planet. Then I was thinking about my occupation. I just had kind of a day job for the last 18 years, which was working at a retail party store and with the pandemic parties were outlawed so I thought I'm going to lose my job and then how am I going to pay my mortgage and then I moved back into my place but I was too discombobulated to really unpack and I didn't have much of my furniture anyway and it was harder to buy furniture during the pandemic so I just sat around with boxes and I thought well nobody's coming over anyway so I'll just sit around with these boxes and then um, in May my partner of seven years my romantic partner of seven years suddenly left me for somebody else And uh, it was just like every rug that could be pulled out from under me was pulled out. And it was extremely unpleasant. I was, I had so many really painful, horrible emotions between January 7th and about mid-August. And then around mid-August of 2020, this idea just kind of coalesced in my head. I had had kind of a tickle in the back of my head that maybe someday I'd want to like, oh, bicycle across America. You hear about people doing that. 
But I had always thought, well, who would I do it with? Because you know, it's not something you do solo, right? You get a group. You get a group, and there's usually a cause or something. But how would I find those people? And how would I decide the route? And I'm not really an athlete, so how would I get across the Rockies? And how would I deal with the weather? Because I like pleasant weather. And, you know, I just had all these concerns. How would I ever have the money to do it? How would I ever have the time to do it? And it just kind of all coalesced for me. I, I started to realize what I really wanted, was, which was to just quit my job and, uh, and do it solo and do it in a loop instead of a cross and do a big counterclockwise loop because that way I could avoid the Rockies and I could hit the best weather everywhere around the country for the year and then I could supplement it with train travel and it just was all kind of coming together and I was like, wow, I think I can really do this. But it felt like leaning into magic because that's just a big deal. Yeah, that is a big deal because you, you said... I don't like moving. That was one of the things you just said. And now you're talking about moving all the time. Yes. And I think it's one of those things where like, I was kind of stuck in a rut, but now I have no interest uh, in returning to Portland and just living my life like I was before. And so I'm planning to continue this as long as I can. And I'm definitely leaning into magic financially because I had enough savings to kind of get me through this year. I'd rather not dip deeper into them, but um, I just really, this feels like the most important thing for me to be doing with my life. And so I'm doing it and trusting that the money will uh, work itself out somehow. Wow. Big leap of faith. That takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? Well, I think it does. And so I'm proud of myself for that, but it also just, I was kind of forced into it. I mean, all those rugs getting pulled out, I just felt like I didn't have much of an option to just live the life I had been living. So I wanted to do something. I kind of thought to myself, you know, when the pandemic was starting, I really was afraid of the virus. And I thought, what if I only had a year left to live? Well, if I really had one year left to live, what would be my best thing to do with it? And this seemed like it. And I think I was right about that because it's just been a wonderful. Oh, so what I forgot to mention is because of the weather, I wanted to leave in September, and I knew I couldn't pull it all off within a month. So I gave myself 13 months to plan it. And those 13 months, even though from the outside, it looked like my life was the same. I lived in the same place. I went to that same day job. Everything seemed the same. But in my head, my attitude and my mood had just done a 180, and I was just feeling pretty ecstatic those whole 13 months planning and getting excited about it. And then these last 12 months have also been just amazing. So I would say to anybody considering it, like, just just find a way. I'm kind of interested because you said in those 13 months that you were planning it, like things on the outside looked similar. You were going to your work and living in your condo, but internally things were changing. And I, I think I read a blog post um, that you posted as well, kind of about some of the thoughts that, you know, you were consciously thinking during that time. And I find that quite interesting. Can you tell me a bit more about what that looked like? Yeah. And what you might have read were some of my early blog posts where I was really confronting a lot of fear because as soon as I announced it kind of on Facebook, I mean, I want to do this thing. I think I'm going to do this thing. Then it was like, oh, I've kind of committed to it. And what if I can't do this? Like, I, I'm really not very athletic. And uh, I'm not, I'd never considered myself outdoorsy. <laughs> and how am I going to make the money work? And what if I get stuck? And what if I get hit by a car? And You know, like, it's just so many fears. But as I as I wrote about them, I found that the fears tended to dissipate. 
and now I find that I am just not really living from fear very much. And I, I have things that I maybe don't look forward to, or I think, oh, it'd be terrible if such and such happened, but I just don't dwell on it. And I think, well, if that's what happens, that's what happens. And I'll just find some way through it. And there'll probably be a silver lining too. There'll probably be a silver lining. I've got to remember that one too, because I think I have that same monkey mind that you perhaps had in your past where I'm always, what if, what if, what if, you know, all of that. So with those what ifs, you alluded to the fact that you um, had some worries about like financing this. How was that going to work out? And I'm curious, how did that work out? Well, I mean, I did have some savings for over the years, which I kind of thought those were my retirement savings. I am leaning into magic. Uh, I, you know, I have uh, some more savings, but I'd kind of rather not dip much below where I am now, but I've been accepting donations. I run a Patreon. So I have some donations that have come in that have helped. I'm going to have to lean more heavily into that this coming year because, you know, the savings are where they are. I had this idea uh, called fairy God funding where there are lots of people in the world doing really interesting, that they have a lot of skills and passion to make the world a better place. And they have ideas of how they could contribute, but it can be very hard to get paid to do that. And so a lot of people I find, people I know who I'm very impressed with and I love the work they're doing or that they would like to do, they're either kind of stuck at the poverty line or they're not at the poverty line because they're doing what I was doing, which is just some sort of job that doesn't really help the world and doesn't really use your skills for the benefit of the world, but you're at least staying above water and paying your bills. So there are a lot of people in, in the world like that, and I want to connect with a lot of those people and learn what they're doing and, and support them if I can. I've done life coaching in the past too, so I like the idea of supporting world changers emotionally, supporting them emotionally and helping them to do what they can and also linking those people together so they can be more effective in their work. And at the same time, there's a percentage of the population who are extremely financially comfortable and they may want to do things to help the world and they're not sure how they could maybe use their financial resources to do so. And literally, I just had this idea, like there are people who could write a check for $50,000 and not even feel it. And if they wrote a check for $50,000 to one of these people, now these, now this person has like a year's salary and they don't have to be at the poverty line or they don't have to be doing this other work. And so they can be contributing. It's, a, it's just a win-win for everybody. And so I, I have this idea, uh, I call it fairy god funding, and I would like to find a fairy god funder for myself. And I actually have found a, a small one so far, but I, I would need more to go forward. And then I like the idea of brokering these people as well and helping to, um, you know, kind of put these people together, again, in magical ways with a lot of enthusiastic consent and um, just goodwill, you know, good faith, good faith and goodwill on both sides. And so that's kind of the the path that I'm visioning for myself going forward. Yeah, because you mentioned in one of our communications that you felt like you'd found your life's work while doing this adventure. Yes, and and that's what I would also like to just encourage anybody listening to think about. It's like sometimes we need to take big leaps to get to that place because I've been sort of working on coming toward this life's work for yeah, I mean, I'm almost 50. Like uh, most of my life, I've been sort of focused on like, well, what's my life's work? And I think I'm kind of getting closer and closer. And I don't know if this is it, but it feels closer and closer because taking the leap to do the traveling seemed to 
help to put that all together for me. Like I could do this theoretically, just, you know, sitting at home, but the traveling feels important to me. I like the idea of meeting these magical people and really talking to them in person and, and being able to connect people in person. I'm just really thinking about the things that light me up the most in life. And people seem to find that what I'm doing to be inspirational. When I talk to them, they say it's inspirational. And I just love that because to me, it's like, I'm just living my best life. I mean, it's like, I'm just, I'm just doing what I really want to do. And it, there's a part of me, and I think this is a cultural thing that sort of says, but you should be hustling and doing something you don't like in order for people to admire you. <laughs> you know, you should be like working hard and slogging and then you can be admirable. But it's like, I'm just living the most joyful life I can possibly think of for myself, which includes service to the collective, you know, the larger world. That That's a part of what brings me joy. And I think it's a part of what brings a lot of people joy. But it's like, if we focus on our own joy and what we can contribute from our gifts to the collective, that's how we can all thrive the best. But it's, it really takes that leap of faith of leaving that slogging job, for example, or whatever it is that may be holding people back. Yeah, well spoken. And you've met so many people with your trip, because from what I understand, you've mostly been staying with various people for your accommodation as you travel around. Yes. And that has been amazing. And I really want to mention a couple of organizations that people might appreciate if they don't already know. Um, you're probably familiar with Warm Showers, but it's um, a bicycle touring reciprocal hosting, just sort of volunteer organization. It's, it's pretty straightforward. If you're taking a bicycle tour, people will offer to host you and then you can host them or when they're coming through your town. And I have met so many amazing people that way just wonderful people and they know all about bicycling and so they tell me about their bicycle adventures and they give me suggestions on their own town and oh, avoid this road but you should go on this beautiful path and so warm showers has been about half the people I've stayed with and it's been really wonderful and then another one that I'm really trying to let people know about because I think a lot of people don't is called Servas which is s-e-r-v-a-s.org it's a global peace building organization that was founded in 1949 in Europe in the wake of the war and it's similar to couch surfing, but with a more explicit peace and justice mission. And you do pay a small annual dues. It's a nonprofit, but it's like $33 a year. And you can either be a host or a traveler or both. And if you're a host, you agree to host people for two nights and provide dinner for both nights so that you're all kind of sitting around the table together and having meaningful conversations. And it's sort of a cultural, intercultural understanding thing. So it's especially good for overseas travel. But... Um, there's about almost a thousand Servas hosts in the U.S., and I've stayed with a number of those people as well, and they have just been just amazing people with amazing stories of travel and mission-driven work that they've done over the years, and so it's been great to stay with them. And then I've stayed with friends and family and friends of friends and occasional hotels if I need to because I'm not a camper. I don't have any camping gear with me. Wow, I'm just thinking of the conversations that you would have had around so many different dinner tables. Yes. It's absolutely amazing. It's hard for my brain to hold it all, but I just crave more of it. That's why I want to continue doing this. I mean, just, just traveling. I'd like to travel the U.S. again and Canada and more of the world. I'd like to go to Europe, maybe South America, and just meet really interesting people doing interesting things. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. How has 
the year being on this journey and this adventure, has it changed your outlook on the world? I think it has. I feel a little cautious saying this because it just seems very taboo in a way, but I just feel so joyful. I mean, I just like the world is just collapsing on so many levels and things are so horrific in so many ways. And yet I think it's, this is helping me, this, this journey is helping me a little bit to sort of right size my own part in that. Like it can be easy to get in, get lost in like doom scrolling on social media or whatever. You're just like, Oh, what just happened to Pakistan? Oh, what's happening in Ukraine? Oh, what's happening in Flint, Michigan? Like there are so many horrible things and I do think that we all have a sort of human collective responsibility to do what we can to not make things worse and to ideally help as well. But there really is a limit to how much, you know, compared to the horrible things that are happening, the amount that each one of us can commit to do after reading every one of these articles is is kind of small. And, and so it can become very, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and completely disempowered and and to kind of shut down and so even though all these horrible things are going on and I do want to do what I can to definitely not make them worse and hopefully help where I can I think just me kind of focusing on my own uh joyful motion through the world and living as lightly as I can too like not driving uh, avoiding flying whenever I can, you know, I eat vegan, uh, like, you know, just living, living as lightly as I can try to avoid generating too much plastic waste, although that's harder when I travel. Um, but, but not getting too caught up in just the misery of things. Cause I really was caught up in that in 2020. And since I started planning this and since I've been traveling, I just see how many amazing people there are who are so kind and many of them are activists in a variety of ways and they're just doing so much good in the world and I think the more of us who can focus on that and connect with each other who are doing that I think that's um, healthier for individuals and and uh, the collective yeah I think you're right that it's just so easy to get caught up in all the really the horrors and it, it seems like it's such a well, simple in a way, simple way to, you know, get on a Brompton and ride your bike. It seems, it seems relatively an easy way to find great joy, but uh, not really. Like, that's also really tough as well. But, I mean, that's amazing that that's what it took for you to be able to see beyond all the drama that one's a really accosted with kind of on social media. And that's another thing that I would like to mention though, because I spend a lot of time on Facebook and a decent amount of time on Instagram and it can be, you know, it gets such a bad reputation for many, many very valid reasons. But I also find that being able to connect with people on social media has, I I don't know if I could have had this journey without it. It would have been a lot harder because, you know, sometimes if I'm having trouble finding lodging in a city, I'll be like, hey, hey, hive mind, you know, hey, my thousand friends on Facebook, does anybody know somebody in such and such a city who would like to host me for a couple days? And very often that, you know, somebody would find somebody and, um, and then that would turn into a chain. I mean, I met a few people this year who have just been absolute superstars in terms of knowing other cool people around the country who they've put me in touch with. 
and um, and around the country and around the world. And I've met other amazing travelers too. And so I just feel like my network is getting larger and larger and social media has been a big part of that. So I think uh, that's another theme that's important to me because I, I notice so many people are very kind of negative about it for good reason, but there can be a lot of benefit if we use it in a conscientious way. Yeah, good point. Very good point. Now we talked about how, um, you know, your journey and your adventures changed um, your view of the world. And I was wondering if it's changed your view of yourself. Yes, I think it has. I mean, I definitely didn't expect to not want to settle back down into Portland afterward. So it's making me think of myself as more of a traveler, sort of like a, as an identity, I guess, not just like, well, I guess I'll travel for a while, but more like, oh, I think I want to live as a traveler. And I don't know how long that will last. It could be another year. It could be 50 years well, <laughs> 50 years if I'm very lucky, I guess. I don't know how long it's going to last. And I'm happy with however long it ends up being. I just want to follow what feels right. But that's definitely changed um, part of my identity. And again, kind of not to get too woo-woo, but like the, the whole magic thing. I mean, I, I think of myself more and more as kind of like a, a magical being. And I'm really drawn to connecting with other magical beings. And, and I don't know if it's even uh, a concept like, well, there are some magical beings and some people who aren't, or it's, or it's more like a, a different kind of wavelength that certain people live on at different times of their lives. But I, I, I see myself sort of metaphorically um, lighter now because I'm because I have packed up my things they're in a storage unit in Portland I'm paying to store my things but they're packed up and so I'm physically a lot lighter as I go around and I just feel kind of metaphorically like a butterfly like just flitting around and oh land here and oh let's see what kind of cool magic happens here oh now I'll go over here and I feel more nimble nimbleness is important to me in life yeah I just feel like I'm living maybe more authentically than I was before in one of your blog posts, you talked about being able to trust the universe, you know, that trusting that if bad things happened, you know, almost like the universe has your back. And uh, that's something I hear from a lot of adventurers that they kind of come to realize. And I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to feel that. I'm finding that it is. <laughs> yeah, it just makes everything feel lighter. I mean, and I've had some unpleasant experiences this past year for sure, but um, I got through them, you know, then now they're in the past and there'll be other unpleasant ones coming up. I don't know what they are. Uh, there's probably some pretty unpleasant things in my future for all of us, you know, but, but we get through them somehow and, and there usually is a silver lining of some sort. Yeah, sometimes um, I like to tell myself that uh, unpleasant experience, that's part of the whole experience that includes a lot of amazing feelings too. So I, I know lately I've been saying, yeah, this feels bad right now, but it, it's part of the, you know, getting that joy as well is kind of getting through that. So absolutely. It's the dynamic range of life. Yeah. Yeah. Your website is called Dream Into Change. Tell me, like, where did that come from? Uh, you know, that's what I called my coaching practice for the past dozen years or so. And I think if I remember correctly, that 
phrase came into my mind on an ecstatic dance floor in San Diego <laughs> about uh, 12 or 13 years ago. Yeah, which I think, yeah, moving my body, whether it's walking or bicycling or ecstatic dance, that definitely often gets my juices flowing. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure how to describe that phrase, except it just it just resonated with me instantly. And I just I just I want to do that for myself. I do do that for myself. I dream into change just like, oh, what's my dream? Oh, now I'll just make it happen, you know, and, and I, I like to support other people in doing that as well. Yeah. And you're doing it now for yourself. Yeah. And keep going. So what are your plans for the next little while then? I'm planning to go to Bellingham actually tomorrow for a few days and then Vancouver for a few days, uh, Victoria for a few days, kind of work back down to Portland for probably two to three weeks going to be a very busy time of seeing people and getting some errands done and then before the weather starts to really turn I want to head south kind of through Oregon and probably into California I'm thinking of I, I kind of have a general idea that I'm going to do a similar loop this coming year but I also my intuition tells me that's not really what's going to end up happening so I'm open to whatever the magic shows to me but that's my general plan and I'm thinking of doing a little bit more in the way of like house sitting too, because even though I've loved staying with all these people and meeting people, it can be pretty stressful to be like two nights here, two nights with these people, two nights with these people, two nights with these people. It's a lot of adjusting. And um, so I think I'd like to do maybe half of that kind of travel and half of more like a week or two, maybe house sitting when somebody's gone, uh, maybe feeding their cat or something and, and talking with people, um, by Zooms. I do these things called magical meetings, which is just basically me doing a Zoom with somebody for an hour and talking about whatever we're both excited about. And so that's a way that I can also meet magical people around the world without even physically being there. So during my downtimes while I travel, that's what I'd hoped to do a lot of this year, but I've ended up just stuck in the logistics of travel. So now I, I hope to expand that in the coming year. So have more time settled in one place so you can uh, do some more magical zooms. Yeah. And, oh, I did just think of something that I would like to share with anybody listening. If they're thinking about doing some, some sort of thing like this, I really want to encourage people to like, think about exactly what you really value and do it. And don't let people shame you into thinking that your way is the wrong way of doing things. Cause I've had to overcome quite a bit of shame, both internalized and people saying things to me of like, Oh, so you're not camping. Oh, you're only doing such and such miles a day. Oh, you're on a Brompton. You're not on a touring bike. Oh, you're taking the train. Like all these things where people might think, well, that's not, you're not really doing the thing. You're not really going on a bike tour. You're not, well, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> you know? And, or even just the fact that I realized about myself, I'm very sensitive to weather. And my top priority in life is to be in pleasant weather most of the time. And so that's how I come up with my routes. I want to be in places with pleasant weather. And so I just think it's really important. Uh, I think a lot of people have a lot of internalized messages and sometimes they hear it externally about what's the right way to do things. What's the wrong way to do things? What are the okay things to want? And what, are, what things are not okay to want and prioritize? And so one of my biggest reasons that I want to do this to inspire others is just like, do it your own way. Do it the way that feels right to you and the way that you can do. You know, that speaks to me so strongly because I feel 
some of those uh, shame things that you describe so often. Oh yeah, I'm not going as far as a real biker or a real hiker, or oh yeah, I'm going to take a train for that section because it sounds like it sucks. Or you know, I think you're right. There's so much pressure when you feel like oh I'm not really really doing it. But uh, I like that thought. Yeah, actually you are. It, there's lots of ways to do it. Yes, I just think if people. If you have a tickle in the back of your mind of something that you really hope you can do, like just keep keep building on that. Maybe give yourself a year to plan it. Just like think, well, what what if I could do this within a year, you know, and, and modify it as needed, but just like do it. Do some version of whatever it is that's tickling the back of your head. Oh, that's what I think a lot of us need to hear. Thanks so much. You're so inspirational. As you said, you've been told so many times before. I, I really think that's a message that a lot of us need to hear is to follow that tickle. So it's been so nice to have you, Marin, and uh, to talk with you today. Um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with Marin, you can read more about her on her website, which is www.dreamintochange.com, or on her Instagram account, which is at dreamintochange. So thanks again. It's been great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10adventures.